Turn now to our responsive reading from the Catechism, Lord's Day 15, which is question and answers 37 through 39. Let's read these together. What do you understand by the word suffered? That during his whole life on earth, but especially at the end, Christ sustained in body and soul the wrath of God against the sin of the whole human race. This he did in order that by his suffering as the only atoning sacrifice, he might deliver us body and soul from eternal condemnation and gain for us God's grace, righteousness, and eternal life. Why did he suffer under Pontius Pilate as judge? So that he, though innocent, might be condemned by an earthly judge, and so free us from the severe judgment of God that was to fall on us. Is it significant that he was crucified instead of dying some other way? Yes, by this death I am convinced that he shouldered the curse which lay on me, since death by crucifixion was cursed by God. Amen. Let's go now to the Holy Spirit and ask him to illumine our hearts that we may understand the teaching of the scriptures. Our Heavenly Father, we ask you to look upon us now in grace as we look away from ourselves and into the face of your Son, whom you have appointed our mediator and Savior. As all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in your Son, Guide us by your spirit into the true understanding of the doctrines of Christ. May our meditation upon his truth produce in us the fruit of righteousness, to the glory and exaltation of his name, the instruction and building up of this congregation, and the salvation of the lost through our witness. We pray this in the name and favor of your well-beloved Son, Jesus Christ, in dependence on his Holy Spirit. Amen. At some point in your life, you will almost certainly ask this question. Is God punishing me? Is God punishing me? And the way that you answer that question will determine a lot of things. It's going to determine how you get through whatever that trial is that is leading you to ask the question in the first place. Because if you're suffering... If your suffering is an expression of God's condemnation of you, then you have nothing to do but to multiply your grief and your doubt. But if Jesus has already suffered the condemnation of God instead of you, then whatever suffering comes your way has a different purpose altogether. Tonight, we are looking at the portions of the Apostles' Creed that say he suffered under Pontius Pilate and was crucified. And these sections of the Creed help us to understand the nature of Jesus' suffering, and therefore it clarifies the nature of our suffering. So first tonight, we recognize that he suffered the condemnation of God. Jesus suffered the condemnation of God From the moment the Son of God took on flesh, 
he was then subject to the pain of this present age. Just like you and I are. The Gospels show us that Jesus suffered in body and soul. He suffered physical pains and ailments of various kinds. He suffered loss. He had emotional turmoil. He felt deep sorrow. He went through betrayal. He faced demonic oppression. And beyond. Beyond all those things. Whatever you've suffered, he's faced his own version of it and more than what is even talked about explicitly in the Gospels. We know this because he's true man with a true body and a rational soul. And our catechism points out that this long-term suffering of Christ increased especially at the end of his life as he faced not just those general sufferings through, throughout his life, but false accusation, He suffered the beating of the Gentiles and the mob and the Jewish elite. He was mocked and he was crucified. And all in the course of this horrible 24 hour or so period is most of this taking place in a a terrible crescendo of violence and oppression and suffering. That is what the son of God underwent. Why did he go through all of this? both throughout his life and here at the end. The answer is that in all of that suffering, he was facing the condemnation of God. And he was facing the condemnation of God on our behalf, in our place. That is his role as the mediator. It is why you have comfort in life and in death. It is that he has stood in your place throughout his life and especially at the end to face the condemnation of God. By condemnation, we mean here that Jesus suffered legal judgment. Legal judgment. If you commit a crime in this country, then you are subject to legal penalties. You got your court date. You got to go see the judge and then you got to pay the fine or do the time or whatever it happens to be. There's legal penalties and judgment that comes with it. Similarly, God's law lays out the legal penalties for those who sin against him and against his law. To be condemned is to face legal judgment in God's sight. This is the nature of Jesus' suffering. All of his suffering. Because in his divine nature, he was unable to face such suffering. And by virtue of coming down from heaven and assuming a human nature, the suffering began. Because he has entered into a sin-cursed world. And it only crescendoed until finally he was put to death. In the days of Jesus, the, the promised land of the Jews was under the rule of the Romans. And so Rome placed governors over the different provinces of this land that the Jews saw as their own homeland. Pontius Pilate was the governor of Judea. He was the governor of Judea, where Jesus was arrested and put on trial. Through these circumstances, and through the authority that Pilate had as a ruler, God provided an earthly picture of spiritual realities. Through the the real authority that Pontius Pilate 
had vested in himself in the providence of God, God gave to us and the whole human race an earthly picture of a heavenly reality. The spiritual reality, the heavenly reality, was this. Christ was innocent, but faced judgment in order to free us who are guilty from that judgment. The glorious exchange, the righteous for the unrighteous, the godly for the ungodly. That is the spiritual reality, the heavenly mission of God to save sinners is that Christ is innocent but has faced judgment and so has freed us from the condemnation of God. But the earthly picture that tells us about this reality is found in this story from the Gospel of John. That several times, Pilate declared Jesus to be innocent and condemned him anyway. At least twice, at least in John's account, he says he's done nothing wrong. We have examined him, and according even to our own uh, man-made law, we cannot find anything against this man, but he caved. And he sat down. This is... uh, All of this is the reason why we find this interesting detail in John chapter 19, verse 13. John says, Pilate sat down on the judgment seat. From this position of real authority as judge, Pilate gave Jesus over to be crucified. And this thing that has happened in human history is a public declaration for all the world that all might know that Christ has laid down his life in the place of sinners and has been judged. The great hymn says it all. In our place, condemned he stood. That is the nature of Jesus' suffering. It is the condemnation, the legal judgment of God being poured out on him. Does he deserve it? No! No! We deserve it. That is the beauty of the gospel, is that the judgment of God has fallen on another, on Jesus Christ. Secondly, he also suffered the curse of God. The curse of God. Question and answer 39 points out that the manner of Jesus' death, crucifixion, is important because of what it signifies. It signifies being cursed by God. In the Old Covenant, that covenant that came down from the mountain with Moses, sometimes called the Sinai Covenant or the Mosaic Covenant, named after that, uh, that earthly mediator, Moses, the land of the Israelites was considered holy. It's a holy land. It was, a, it was supposed to be a land that was set apart for God's glory, for God's worship, and for his holy people. And so in that covenant, there are all kinds of laws that have to do with maintaining the holiness of that land. Protecting it from defilement and so on. In fact, it's interesting, so often in the prophets, the prophets say, through your sin, through your bloodshed, through your idolatry, you've polluted the land, and so I'm kicking you out of the land. The land needs to rest now. It's just very interesting imagery. In our reading from Deuteronomy 21, we read about the death penalty in Israel. Moses says that if a person is sentenced with the death penalty 
And the way, the way that they execute him is to hang this person on a tree. Then his body needs to be taken down that day. Otherwise, it leads to the defilement of the land. Why is that? Moses says, for a hanged man is cursed by God. And you can't leave this cursed image just laying out like this. Do the execution, bring this just penalty down upon the head of a person who's committed a capital offense, and then take him down and put him in the ground and do not defile the land. This idea, a disturbing one, a disturbing image, that's, that's for sure. This idea of a person being hung up high, being a cursed person, haunts the Old Testament. Joshua, for instance, defeats five kings of the Amorites in Joshua chapter 10. And in verse 26, he has them hanged from trees. Why does he do that? He does it to show that they are cursed kings of the earth. They are cursed in God's sight. And they must be expelled from God's holy land. Think of David's wicked son, Absalom. Absalom accidentally, after leading an insurrection against his, his own father's rule and kingship, Absalom later is riding on his mule and he finds himself stuck in the thicket of branches and gets caught in the branches, hanging from a tree suspended between heaven and earth, the text says, just before he's put to death. He's a cursed man. The example of Haman that we read from Esther. Um, kind of a, if you read the whole story of Esther, it is an, an amazing moment of irony because it was meant for someone else. And Haman ends up being the one who is cursed in the place of the Jew, Mordecai. The examples go on. But this image is throughout the Old Covenant, and those who knew their Bibles would have understood that if someone is raised up in one way or another and hanged on a piece of wood, that person is legally condemned and facing the curse of God. He's a cursed man. And so what do you think was going through the minds of those Jews who saw Jesus Christ Hanging on the cross. Peter tells us that though he committed no sin, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. And Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Brothers and sisters, this is the true nature of Jesus' suffering. He died in a manner that tells us, number one, what we deserve. We ought to be condemned legally for our sins forever. And number two, his manner of death tells us that he, though innocent, has shouldered that judgment in our place. He was cursed by God to free us from the curse. He was condemned by God to free us from God's judgment. The glorious exchange. Lastly this evening, we ask now, we go back to the question we asked at the beginning, what does it mean that when we suffer? Our suffering is different. 
in light of what Christ has done. If these things are true, if Jesus has suffered as a condemned and cursed man, then it tells us something very important about the trials, the suffering that we face. Your mediator and savior has freed you from the curse of the law. You're, you're free from it. It is no longer your slave master. And the just condemnation of God that is part of the curse of that law is no longer for you. You're set free, totally and forever. And so Paul says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That means then, it must mean that your suffering is something else altogether. It is a sign of living in a cursed world, that's true. But it's more than that. Peter says, this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. But if when you do good and you suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Loved ones in Christ, when the voice of the devil tells you that you're going through a hard time because God hates you and because you are facing his condemnation, you must put on the shield of faith and strike down those lies with the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, and refuse to believe that that's what's going on. It is not the condemnation and curse of God. Christ has faced that in your place. He has freed you forever from that curse. And so what you can trust instead, what you can assume instead, is that whatever you face, God will work all things, even your suffering, for your salvation. All things, in fact, come to us not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. He will work it for your good. He will turn it around in the end. Maybe not in this life, but at least on the last day. All will be made new. Your suffering will be redeemed. And you will find yourself to be perfectly conformed to the image of Christ's Son, who has suffered in your place and taken the condemnation of God. Amen.